So I guess we're starting at the beginning here, sort of where you grew up, what was it like where you were growing up, um, what years would those have been, and then sort of work your way up and to the point where you you just you, you got a set of sticks in your hand, or whether you played guitar first, or or how how that worked, and then we'll we'll carry on from there. Well, I grew up in Hay River. I was there for the first fifteen years, and uh, I wanted to play guitar, but I was never good enough. And I accidentally went to a practice one time and they needed a drummer and the guy that was trying out was way up in the arena, second floor or something, he had to go to the bathroom which was way down on the first floor, way at the end. So I said, well, I'll try, you know, let me sit back there. Anyway, I got a job. So uh, I played in Hay River for a few years from about uh, 1965 till 68, I came to Akecho Hall. Okay, I'll stop there and get you to sort of backtrack. What okay. was Hay River like? How big was it? The road was in there, obviously. The, the rail line was the rail line in there. I guess I'm just sort no, of trying to get it. No, it wasn't there when I. It, it never came in till. Uh, oh man, when did that come in there? The flood was in '63. Somewhere in around '63, I guess that railroad came in there, but it was smaller. It was maybe 2,500, maybe 3,000 people. Everybody knew everybody. And they had the old zoo bar, they had uh, the Legion. And I remember uh, my brother and I sitting in front of the zoo waiting for the old man to get out because he was a bartender there. And anyway, we started playing uh, when we were really young, underage, playing in the Legion. And of course, in them years, you were allowed to play if you're underage, but you weren't allowed to drink. So they had to smuggle me drinks. And I was, I don't know, 13 or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know, Hay River was, was good, it was it was fairly quiet, there wasn't much to do, you play hockey, you played music, and baseball of course in the summer, but I don't really remember a whole lot of it because I was young, and then as I say in 68 then I came up here. So I guess I'm going to hold you back there a little bit. Your dad was running the bar, there was probably music, live music happening in the bar then. You know, I don't even know. He was a bartender. He was I don't know who was running the place. It was just his night job. Okay. Because he worked on the airport all day running uh, snow removal equipment and everything. So what, what um, musicians and what bands do you remember? Like, who were the players that were around? What kind of music was going on? When I first got in the band, there was, uh, there was guys like Robert Bolio, uh, a couple of Monkman brothers, I believe, were playing as well. And... When I got going, there was uh, Leo Lefebvre, he played keyboards. Glenn Chester played lead. I think Brian Kovach had started on bass before he came up here. We played in the old teen hall in Hay River, uh, which probably is long gone. And I don't even know how long, I think we played for a couple of years. I don't even know how often, like, you know, it's it's a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. So. You were playing guitar, and you, you referred to, to being at a practice and then sitting behind the kit. Well, I was just, I had a guitar at home, and I was wishing. You know, oh, like okay. if a kid wants to play hockey and be in the NHL, or they want to play guitar or both, I wanted to play the guitar, and I had one. I had one of those old Saturn, I think they were called. I think they came from Sears. But I could never figure the damn thing out. So, But I, I always liked music, so I, I guess I must have known there was a practice or something, and I went to it go listen and uh, 
the guy who was trying out for drums because they were looking for a drummer had to take a little break there and uh, I, I don't even know why I just thought well you know let me let me try this thing and anyway they said well you're a little bit better than him so you know we'll work on you <laughs> yeah so who was that with them do you remember I believe that was with uh, Glenn Chester and Brian Kovach and Leo Lefebvre I, I think I Boy, it's pretty hard to nail that down for sure. So you would have been around 13 at that time? Yeah, something like that, 12, 13, I guess. And so once once you found your place of drums, how hard was it to find a set of drums? Actually, uh, it wasn't hard at all. I, uh, I borrowed 150 bucks off my dad. It's a little bit of coaxing and promising I'll pay you back. And I bought a set of second-hand sonar drums, which I play to this day. Wow. They're in my basement. Good for you. The ones that I use in the club when, whenever we played out. I got practice sets and that, but none of them ever compared to that old kit. Amazing. Yeah. So still. Good for you, that young still got them. 150 bucks, and at, yeah. uh, what year would that have been then? 65, 65 I think 65, that was, that was a chunk of money. <laughs> yeah, then it was... It was a lot more than yeah. it is today, for sure. Yeah, um, and I believe I even did pay him back. I'm pretty darn <laughs> sure I did. And there probably wasn't any music stores or anything like that. It was just the other musicians and stuff like that, or probably coming up to Yellowknife or going down south to buy instruments and stuff. Well, like that. yeah, everybody I think can uh, take their summer holiday and drive out over that mud highway. And if you wanted to, you know, get anything, a set of sticks or a new guitar or something. Or, of course, you could order it from Sears like that. That was, I guess, our supplier for how many years, catalogs. And I don't know. I do remember uh, going to music stores when I was down south. I probably did more wishing than buying. Mm -hmm. I guess we still always do that. I, you know, I go to Fiddles and Sticks now, and I have to force myself to go out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have to put my picture on the door. Don't let this guy in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take this guy's money. <laughs> well, one thing I do recall from then, Pat, is uh, when we played the teen hall, the first dance that I played for, we got two bucks each. And for some reason, we got a raise. I don't know what it was. But we got three bucks each at the end of the night. So <laughs> well, we certainly weren't doing it because we were making a lot of money. Well, there was a lot more house parties then. We had uh, a lot at our place, actually, and uh, there was uh, an old fiddle player, uh, Fred Balsley, worked with my dad at the airport. I think Fred was from uh, from Rez, and another guy that used to show up all the time and play guitar was uh, Mickey Pittman. I have no idea where he is or anything. A guy named Lud Shanley was a drummer. And he'd just beat on empty beer boxes. <laughs> and uh, and then there was another guy called Singin' Sam. He's kind of a, a one-man little show there. He'd sit around and sing songs that would make the drunks cry. So he was always welcome. I can't really think of too many other, or any other maybe, musicians that really come right to mind. These guys were the ones that would be in our house and playing. Friends of your parents, so of an older yeah. generation that way. Yeah. Remember in the old house, we had a hardwood floor, and Mickey Pittman had uh, those 
cleats or something on his boots, and the old man used to get pissed off at him. Get those goddamn boots off. Or <laughs> I don't know whether maybe you give him a stomping tom board or something, but I know Mum wasn't too impressed. He could start marking up that wood floor. Right? No, there's there's a quite a few of the other players. They just talk about that where it's just like no, it's a house party. A whole group of people would come in, move the furniture out somewhere at the house party, and then they come back the next day or at the end of it and clean it up and move all the furniture back. Yeah. Right. So those were the older guys of those all of those musicians that you just mentioned now. Um, yeah. As 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 far as you were playing the teen hall, were there other young bands? I can't recall any others, but the town was small. I don't think there was a whole lot of competition there for bands at that time. How about other traveling musicians? Any any other touring musicians that would come up, or touring acts or groups that you remember? That would come no. in and, and do some gigs there. No, I don't. I don't know. Well, of course, I was young too. So, if they came up to play bars, I probably wouldn't even know. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether they actually brought bands in in those years. Mostly because of that highway, because there was no pavement between Hay River and Edmonton. It was just gravel all the way. And when it rained, like high level was just, you go through with a cat pulling you through. Yeah. That was a real terrible place to go and get stuck in. The other players that I talked to, they talk about being in the communities, and, and so the older kids would end up going to Acacia Hall, mm -hmm. and they would pick up an instrument, and then they would come back for the summer, and it was like, that was something. So did that, is that a similar story to you? Like No. Once I got here, I think I went back the first summer for a couple of weeks, and I came back here. And I basically stayed here for the rest of the time. I didn't have any interest going back to Hay River, so the band I was with here in, in Akecho, we'd all take the summer off and then of course fire back up in September. But then, you know, you'd play the odd time with somebody else. So your your first memories, impressions when you when you came here and were in Akecho Hall, I know they had a slew of instruments there that students or the, the, the kids that stayed there could just sort of pick up and play yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the hostel paid for the band equipment. But when we played anywhere and got paid, we had to give the money to the hostel. So Mark Whitford, you know, he's thinking all the time. He said, well, well this isn't very good. Let's buy our own stuff. So he approached Bert Boxer, who was his superintendent. And he explained, he said, look, you know, we'll save you guys all this money. If we need something, we'll buy it. If we break it, we'll replace it. But we'll keep our own money. And Boxer said, sure, that's fine. It was one headache less for him. Eh? So we went to Harold Glick, and uh, we made a deal there, and we bought all our own equipment, well, except for the drums, courts, which I already had from Hay River. So we bought a whole raft, raft of great big friggin' speaker boxes, you know, the biggest <laughs> stuff you could find. Turn everything to ten. One, two, three, four, C at the end. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then we played, uh, I think, every weekend for four years. I don't think we were a weekend off. Maybe one or two. Yeah, it seems to me there was a couple of weekends we did get a break. And we didn't know what the hell to do with ourselves, so we went to a dance. <laughs> Which was probably when uh, Stained Glass or somebody else was playing. Well, we were very busy and... and uh, it was good for us in Akecho because we had a choice of 
study time or practice. Well, what are you going to pick? So we practiced every night, which, as you know, being a musician, I mean, that, that's nothing but good. So we went from a completely unknown band to right up there with everybody within probably three months or something. It didn't take very long, but we had all that practice time under our belt. And the guys who lived out in town, well, they'd have to try to schedule at somebody's house and get everybody free at the same time. Well, we're all stuck in there, so let's go downstairs just, and practice. Just, and just play. So, yeah. So yeah. That, that would have been late 60s now we're talking, right? 68 through 71, yeah. We were in there together. With, uh, well, the band I was with in there was called the UM Squared, and that was Tom Hudson, Mark Whitford, Tony Buggins, Brian Kovach, myself, and then uh, Tony left the band a year or two into it, and we replaced him with Tom Dempsey. And then in 71, you know, of course, I had these visions that we're going to play together forever. Well, Brian Kovach was smarter than the rest of us. He said, no, I'm going home. He went to Hear River, and he started a business, and very successful. So we ended up in different bands and stuff, and and over the years, we ended up back in the same band, you know, back and forth like that. But uh, we always seemed to connect somewhere on a stage. It, it's nice because you got those lifelong friendships that, that we got from living in that hostel. Eh? That was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I wouldn't have went to a Cacho Hall, I would have went to jail. So as much as, you know, residential schools, some of them were very, very bad, obviously, but that was a really good one. And it uh, it produced a lot of good people out of there, you know. Some become premiers of the NWT and stuff like that. You know, there are lots of positives, too, that people don't seem to think about those. We were put there because we didn't have the facilities required in our particular community. And, and I'm lucky. I got brought over here and... And they had the stuff I needed to train on, you know, which was machines. I can't do math and social and science and all that stuff. Just That just gets me all worked up. I don't understand any of it. But they said, here, go run a machine. And, and I was okay then. You know, I didn't have to figure out too many things there. I had to know, uh, I think in machine shop, I had to know one formula. And I still remember it to this day. <laughs> so that's okay. One yeah. thing to remember. <laughs> that's, that's great. Okay, sorry, I have a good, I'm going to bounce back here That's a bit. That's good, yeah. Um, when you were playing in Hay River, another question that I ask is, what musics were you listening to? And when you were playing in a band and you were going to learn a song, how did you get the music? Was it like by the radio or was it a record? Were you able to go to a record store, borrow records and stuff like that? If I recall correctly, I think it was records. And we'd sit around in somebody's house and, and you know, and, and try to figure it out. And we're all new, so it takes a longer to figure it out. But uh, we were lucky we had Brian Kovach because he's one of those gifted people that they understand how music works or whatever. Whatever all the secrets are, the drummers don't know. <laughs> he knew them, <laughs> you know. And uh, he really, he was he was our anchor for for learning stuff. Brian was very good at that. Beautiful. So, so was there a record store in Hay River that you could go that would bring in sort of like a Glicks was here? No, I or? don't. I don't ever recall one. Okay. Um, and I don't know where like people would have got that stuff. Like I mean, mom and dad had records. 
I don't know where the hell they got them, maybe out of Sears. Uh, and of course, every year you do go down for your, your southern break and go outside there and, uh, well, yeah, I guess they would go to the stores. I know I remember, as I say, going to them stores, but I did all the wishing. I didn't do any, I don't think I did any buying. buying yeah. Do you remember, you remember the musics? What, what kind of songs were you guys playing in, in, in those early bands when you were playing in Hay River before you came to a Kate show? Well, I was at 50s and 60s rock there, uh, like Runaway. I remember learning Wipeout. Of course, you had to play Wipeout. If you're a drummer, you got to learn Wipeout. got to learn so. Wipeout. I don't, I don't recall our, set, our song list. I do remember once I got to Yellowknife, I, like, things are still stuck in my head. There, I can't remember our, our set list. You know, uh, which is unfortunate now that you bring it up. I wish I could remember, you know, half a yeah. dozen tunes. But uh, one I do remember is that, I uh, wonder what she's doing tonight. I think it was by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. Does that yeah, ring? Yeah, 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 it rings a bell. Yeah. Um, cool. So dance music, I mean, you're, oh, yeah. you're, there's, yeah. there's dance music. It's all right? up tempo, and well, yeah. a few buckle polishers you had to play for, <laughs> oh, yeah, for, sure. for guys to cut it up their old ladies. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a given, that's a given yeah. for sure. So you're, you're in a Cachel Hall, and you guys ramped up like really quick. They're like you say, in, 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 in sort of three months. Yeah. So you were playing around town, can you give me a bit of a snapshot of what kind of gigs you were playing in town and also I guess at that time as well music was was going through this this huge sort of change <laughs> and uh, that was not lost up here there were people moving up here from the south musicians and and hanging out locally as well so there was a whole local music scene if you could just sort of give me a, a, a bit of a snapshot of that like what kind of gigs you played and your interaction I guess with the other players in town well, when we were in Inakecho, we played uh, school dances, of course, at, at uh, Mildred Hall, uh, St. Pat's, and Sir John, and then we'd play sometimes in the dining room or the rec room in Inakecho Hall. Uh, and then we started playing out more in the town, so we'd play the Legion and the Elks. And it was usually Friday, Saturday in the Legion, and then the next weekend, Friday, Saturday, the Elks. Were you in the club room or were you in the halls? Both, actually, Both. but okay. uh, very seldom in the Elks club room. It was a different band I'd played the clubs room with. So yeah, with the Keicho Hall band, it was it was the dance halls, the upstairs, and the dances would start. I think they were from nine to one, if I recall, when they when we first started playing out there. And if you weren't lined up at eight o'clock, you weren't getting in the dance. This used to be a real, real music crazy town, and yep. you know, lots of fun. And, some would be a little rough. You get into some of the rougher dances would be the con and giant rec halls. Uh, I still remember beer bottles flying and stuff like that. So you played out there too? Yeah. So you, yeah. you were playing for pretty much the whole age demographic here in town from kids in school to you know full-blown adults and the mining community and the yeah. mines were going full tilt. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were lucky and we played, of course, we played the range a few times. Uh, with special permission from Akecho. They'd let us go out late, you know, to play the bars. Were those six-nighters still then, or were they just weekends? Uh, I'm trying to think if they were or not. I think they were only uh, six nights when it was uh, like a special event going on, like a winter carnival yeah. or uh, 
one of those uh, they call those games that they have. Yeah, the article stuff games, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, Tony and I, I can't remember who was all in that band. It might have been the KHO band, but I I can't swear to it. But I know Tony was there. We played in uh, Gold Range in '68 uh, against that CIBC wall because mm -hmm. they never had a stage. So we just set up against that wall. I remember doing that. And uh, I remember other bands coming up here and uh, needing uh, replacement players because somebody would quit and go. And I got picked up to play in uh, the Yellowknife Inn bar. I don't know what it was called then, maybe the trap line. I played for an outfit from the East Coast and they were going to Hay River and I went to my superintendent there, Bert Boxer at Acacia Hall and I said, well, these guys want me to go to Hay River and I believe they spoke with each other and anyway, they let me go to Hay River for a week, give me a week off at wow. school and stuff. So, wow. That, yeah, yeah, that's pretty that's, pretty nice. That's, uh, that's, that's being pretty damn supportive that yeah. way, for sure. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a good man, Mr. Boxer. Well, I guess, you know, you're trying to run 200 kids and, and a bunch of staff. you got to have a lot of rules and stuff, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it yeah. for any other place. Of course, we had a jukebox downstairs. So that thing, when the rec room was open, that jukebox never shut off. It was always going. There's some Neil Diamond stuff. And of course, George Jones. But we all grew up on George Jones. Yeah. I think people still growing up on George Jones <laughs> in the territories. Yeah. Yeah. This is the truth. My daughter did. <laughs> and so the other bands that were around at that time, can you remember the other bands that, that would have been playing the other the other players? Well, it was uh, Stained Glass Illusion with uh, Tony Gilchrist, uh, Wayne Bertrand, Tease Brothers. But we hardly seen one another because they'd be on one stage, we'd be yeah, on another one in another place. But of course, we all knew one another over the years, just, I don't know, from where, just music people seem to end up meeting each other somewhere and you know, playing, I don't know, maybe shared stages or I don't even really know. Yeah, well, you guys would have been in school, they would have been at work, and then like you say, when the time, well, time to play came, you would be on different stages, so. Actually, I don't know, like Gary... I don't think Gary's any older than I am. I think he was just in a different school. I think he was probably in St. Pat's yeah. and I was in Sir John. But I'm pretty sure that him and John were probably both still in school when, when I was playing in 68, something like that. It was, uh, it was a little weird because the town people didn't like the hostile people because there's all these guys after our women, you know, like, that was a that was a prevailing thought when I first got here. They didn't like all these young boys running around. We all we were hardly ever allowed out of that place until we uh, had our little I don't know, rebellion or whatever you call it there, where we all refused to go to school because we wanted the rules changed. And it ended up they took it right through Parliament real fast and changed the rules over there because we just said no. Twenty five minutes a day is not enough. That's all we were allowed uptown was from after school for 25 minutes and then you'd be back there. Oh, man. For every minute you're late, you lost a day's leave. Like oh. the rules were, they were pretty rigid when I first got there and that was my first year there. And all of a sudden everybody said, you know what, screw this, we're not going to school now. 
and I believe there was uh, either nine or twelve RCMP in town, so they were called. But it took all of them to just to manage Margaret Thrasher. She was there, so, you know. Uh, so Margaret was going to school with you at that time. Yes, she must have been in the hostel at that time because she was she was there. Okay. But I don't I don't know. It, it was all moving real fast, and then uh, we got some of the rules changed. It was just you know it was a little bit too much Gestapo there. And we wanted to be able to go uptown and have a cup of coffee or, and not have to say, oh, geez, i got to run away now because if I'm late, I'm going to scrub the whole service area with a toothbrush or whatever. You know, it was just ridiculous. From then on, it was great. You know, everybody kind of relaxed a little bit. We had a bit of freedom, but you had to, you know, you had to still, you still had your rules and stuff to follow because yeah. you can't have 200 people and no rules. That's for sure, and schoolwork has got to be up and all the yeah. rest of that stuff too, so if you're going to be allowed those privileges, so. Yeah. So you guys had a rebellion, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite a deal. I don't remember who started it, but uh, that, would have, that would have been 68, I believe, because that's when I went there, and I, I'm sure it was in my first year. Uh, but like I say, I don't remember who the... Who the guys were that decided we should do that, but of course we all thought it was a great idea. Hey, when I don't have to go to school, sure, I'm in. Yeah, get some more time to hang out uptown. Yeah. Um, any of the other older players? Because I remember some of the names, uh, like Fred Henny was blowing saxophone every once in a while. Wilf Shitlowski. Yeah, I remember Wilf. I used to go over and drink whiskey with Wilf, and we'd fool around on the guitars. Oh wow! When he lived, he's living over by St. Pat's, That's so right. I never had far to go from a Cato Hall. And over there, usually on a weekend. Do you remember how you met Wilf? I'm Is not it? sure how, uh, possibly from playing maybe at, at uh, St. Pat's or something. And then there was Frank Wooters. Uh, Frank was a drummer, but he was also a drinker. So, of course, then we'd all end up at Wilf's. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Frank playing drums. Smokey Hill used to play drums. Get out of here. I had his... I got his drum set. I I sold it to Norm Gloach. So I think Norm kind of rebuilt them. It's a great big, great big bass drum and about not not a deep drum. I remember that. I got them from his son Jim. Jimmy's passed on now yeah. too. They were living right over here by the police station. Yeah, I remember right on the corner. I could see yeah. it right out the window. Yeah, and uh, wow. I helped Jim uh, clean out the house there. So he gave me them drums. He said, well, you're drumming, you should take these. I don't believe I ever heard Smokey play, but I, I do remember hearing of him play. You know. So these would have been the older cats? That would have been probably early 60s, I guess. Earlier 60s then. I'm sure it was before uh, before I ever got here. that They were out playing, and I, I don't know who else would have been with them, uh, like guitars or anything yeah. Well, Wilf, I guess maybe Wilf and Frank probably, they probably played on stage together, but I honestly don't recall whether they did or not. Yeah, Archie was up here at that time. Archie Ludic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get, I ended up in a band with Archie and uh, Brian Lyons, Roger Renier. Roger, he's, he was bass and vocals. And he, I believe, went to the Yukon. I don't know why I think that. Somebody must have said that to me one time. But Archie Ludwig was there. He was playing rhythm. 
Mark was in the band, and then Tony and I. But they kicked me and Tony out. <laughs> that was a northbound freeway. But you, you would have been the younger, younger cats to those guys then, right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah, Archie and uh, Roger and Wolf and, and those guys. And so, Wolf, but I mean, yeah. you've got a chance to sort of hang around with them and yeah. sort of play all kinds of different music that they would have grown up on that way too. UM Squared was the band that was in Acacia Hall. Yeah. They started out back when I moved to Acacia Hall. They were called the Mystic Monks. They had uh, a different player. They had uh, two singers that, not official, was Pat Burke and Tom Hudson were both there. And uh, now that's a lot of singing power on stage. Mm -hmm. Both Smith boys, too. And Gary Lobb was their drummer. He was from Hay River. I think he's in the U.S. now. And then after I ended up getting in the band, I don't remember, somebody said we should get a name anyway. A different name, I guess. And uh, it was the Universal Music Machine. And Tony must have been in chemistry or something. He said, well, let's call it UM Squared. <laughs> and it stuck. So if you ever say Universal Music Machine, then most of these old guys, they kind of wonder, well, are you drinking again? You know? yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the UM Squared UM name squared. stuck. And so the run for that band would have been just in that, say, three or four years that you were in Acacia, or yeah. did it carry on further than that? No, uh, 71 when we uh, we graduated, and that's when Brian Kovach said, I'm out of here. Okay. So we kind of, we shut her down and then got into different bands. I think that's when I got into the Northbound Freeway, was right around there, too. And that would have been with Archie? Archie would have been at the helm of that one? Archie was there, yeah. Uh, Archie, Roger, Mark. Me, Tony, and then uh, that guy's name took my place. Uh, that redheaded drummer, Murray. Yep, yeah, yeah. Murray got he got that job off of me, and uh, I think that's maybe when Brian Lyons took over from Tony. I can't remember. Maybe Tony was in there with Brian and us too. I can't remember exactly the exact lineup. But anyway, they didn't suffer very long with us guys gone, that's for sure. They were playing the next weekend, and you know, yep. they played in the Legionnaire for 20 some odd years. Long time. Yeah. Long time for sure. Um, just to sort of sit in that time a little bit more. Um, did you guys ever travel? In any of the bands right around that time, whether in Acacia Hall, did you go out to any of the other communities? We went to Inuvik in, uh, I believe, 1969. We went up there for the grad dance. Oh, okay. They flew us in. Um, I think over the summer we ended up in Fort Smith at a Battle of the Bands. Uh, Herb Lafferty was down there with his band. I don't remember who they were. And they didn't have a drummer. And I remember Herb trying to teach me a song called Communication Breakdown fast enough to get on stage with it. I probably screwed it up, but uh, I don't... Oh yeah, we went to Hay River actually quite often with uh, with the UM Square to play there. Different reasons. I don't know whether they'd be Christmas dances or... Yeah. I can't remember yeah. what they were for. Or Legion. You'd be driving, you'd be driving to... Well, I'm flying to Anubik, obviously, uh, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember driving down to Smith Hay River and places like that and trying to get that equipment covered because the roads were, of course, pretty Dust. dusty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
trying to remember who other guys I got hooked up with. I had a I had a good run with uh, Billy and Barry Kausel. and they came up here. Oh, I ended up in the trap line with those tell, guys. Please tell me about that. Yeah, Buggins was with us too, Tony. But we'd play all night in the in the trap line bar, and we'd go down to where I was living in the old town, and. Uh, Billy, he'd been doing speed. He couldn't sleep. He'd play all bloody night. We'd drink until he'd pass out. And I passed out down there on the couch, and I'd, I got up in the morning, and here's this great big mural on the wall. It's me sleeping on the couch, done in tire crayon, that that yellow shit that you can't wash off. Eh? Barry Castle, he did a picture of me up there while, while Billy was playing, and I was just I was snoozing away there. I had way too much to drink, obviously. I got to know Bill. I really enjoyed playing. Uh, he's a really good guy. I liked him a lot. How did you get the gig? Do you I don't know. I I can't remember. I guess they needed a drummer, and somebody probably told them I was somewhere around. I don't even know. Yeah. And but so you were playing in the trap line then? Yeah. 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 In the Six Nighters yeah. there. Because yeah. there's stories. I mean, you know, obviously, Billy went on to all kinds of things. He famous right away, but then he was yeah. up here driving truck. Somebody said for a while, but he was also playing music up here. I didn't know whether he was driving truck or not, but yeah, he he ended up he went to Hay River after, after here, and uh, he was going for some reason he was leaving Hay River going to Edmonton. I don't I don't know any of the details really, but my mom gave him a ride to Edmonton, so she got to meet him and and uh, and she thought very uh, very highly of, of him as well. You know, I but I, I I guess he's sort of like the rest of us. If you you know you know how to uh, well, there's a little old lady's going to give me a ride to Edmonton, so you're going to be on your best behavior. Yeah, you're exactly. not going to be a haywire yeah, yeah. fucker, you know. Yeah. But I was glad that she got to meet him because I because I liked him, yeah. you know, and I thought that was pretty nice. Well, that's awesome that you got to play with him. I got a tape of them here somewhere. But I mean, he was already—he was sort of like a child star. His family was. Well, right? yeah, the Cowsills had all those big hits out there. Yeah, and this is like down in the states in California back in the early to mid sixties. I don't know where the heck they came from, but I do remember—I uh, do remember listening to those songs. Of course, growing up, that song "Hair" and all yeah. these different—oh yeah—different songs by those guys, and we thought it was such a big deal because they were a family band. And I—I I don't think that I ever really knew of a lot of family bands. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, a father and a daughter, where this is the whole damn family. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And then when they came up here, it was just him and his brother. Uh, I don't know what happened to the band. I don't know why they weren't with him. Uh, if I know, if I was ever told, I don't recall. But he was, by that time, he was into the, the harder way of a life. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I sure, I sure enjoyed getting to meet him and, and play you know no no pressure just give her I know so much of it now is uh, singer songwriter stuff and you got to write your own material but I don't think that was the norm back then from when I started playing it was just cover songs yeah was there ever any, anybody in the band that was writing a song and was there ever any recording done we did some recording at uh, Harold Glick's store oh. uh, I think some for some reason I think it was 1970, and I think I have a picture of us. 
And I think I have a couple of those songs on my computer right now. Uh, I do have tapes in the basement that I've never listened to. Uh, uh, it was given to me a few years ago of the UM Squared. Real to real tapes? No, there are, uh, somebody put them on cassette. Cassette, okay. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether they are originally done on a cassette or not. Uh, like I say, I haven't listened to them, so I'm sure the quality is not <coughs> going to be there, but that's not, that's not that big of a deal. The idea is to, this is what we used to listen to in 1969 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was harder to get a quality because none of us knew how to record anyway. You throw a few microphones up in the room and you start going. You just start playing. One, two, yeah. three, four, C at the end. So that's, <laughs> that's what you did at, at the Glick's place? Is you just put up some recorders? Or was there somebody who sort of engineered it for you? No, I think Mark probably did it. I can't remember for sure, but Mark worked there. That's right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm sure that's the only reason we got in there was because yeah. Mark worked there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Harold was... Uh, he was supportive of, of the band, like, you know, he let us go in and buy stuff on credit and that's pretty good when you're a young bunch of wild bastards and, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're charging up thousands of dollars in those days, that's a lot of cash. But he, he gave us a shot at it and we bought a lot of stuff out of there. Yeah, Harold seemed like he got satisfaction from doing that. I mean, there was nobody else yeah. who was running the stereo store or the you know, bringing in records or anything like that. but. <laughs> talked to lots of people who just you know talk about Glicks and that was yeah. the place to go right you, yeah you'd grab your albums and I know it was for me as well so then of course Merlin Williams can fix uh, anything electronic yeah that's right too yeah you, yeah, know, yeah. you screw up your app Merlin will figure it out yeah yeah he had that little shop just beside the gold range there I don't remember where he was but I do remember that he could fix yeah he could fix he's stuff a, he's a wizard that way yeah yeah can you just sort of run me through the different bands the different people that you played with after UM Squared, I was with uh, a band called Appaloosa. That was Alan Hyatt, uh, Brian Mort Morgan, Brian Morgan. I can't remember his name. I played in a band with Alex Gakum. Don't know which band that was. Geez, I can't remember the names of these outfits. Then I ended up in Northbound Freeway. I, I did play for a while for uh, three jail guards, big, big fellas. In the Legion. High Country, maybe, I think yes. was the name of them. Yes, yeah. Played for them. Uh, and so. I left and I went down south for a while and I got hooked up with a couple of bands down there just for short runs in the bars. Uh, County Line was one of them. And then I got a phone call from Yellow and I have to come back to work. So I left. So yeah. I came back here and I put together a Cat's Ass Band which from high school was Tom Hudson, Herb that's Rafferty. Right, that's right. Picked those guys up again. Tony Buggins, me, and we picked up Ted Mildenberger for bass. So we were together for about seven years. And then uh, I, I quit. I said, you know what, I have had enough. Uh, things, things just weren't working out. And uh, Donnie Mitchell got a hold of me and he said, uh, I'm going to go on the road with the Outlaw Band. Would you fill in for me for a few weekends or whatever? And I, I wanted to quit, but I said, yeah, I, I will. And I only knew Dave and Sherry to say hi. I didn't know them. So uh, 
I went into the range because they were playing there and I sort of listened to some of their songs trying to figure out. I didn't want to get caught too flat-footed. Mm -hmm. And we went to the Elks. That was our first job together there. And uh, first song, I got no monitor. I said, Dave, I got no friggin' monitor. I'll fix it at the break. I don't know your stuff, you know. So we got through the first set and Dave said, well, you want the job, it's yours. I said, Jesus, we just went through one set. You better, don't get too excited here. Don't uh, offer me the world and then have to take it back. But at the end of the night, he said, no, the job's yours if you want it. So, so I was lucky I, I stayed with Dave. Well, I'm still with Dave and Sherry. I'm still the new guy because every time we pick up a side guy, then I don't know, and then he takes off, he yeah. goes play somewhere else or whatever. But I've been with him for some like 15 years, and I'm the new guy. Beautiful, yeah. So I can't think of all the other bands, but because they were never, uh, there wasn't a lasting thing. I'd sit in for a dance or two or mm -hmm. whatever. So I guess you can't really count me as a member of them anyway. I was just filling in here and yeah. there. No, those all of those names I've, I've forgotten about. Terry Mercer played with Terry a lot of times. And I, I don't know what band that was with. That might have been the Appaloosa band. And what I remember most about Terry, his keyboard's right over there to my front right-hand side, and I could see Terry, of course. And he'd take 13 scotch and he'd line them up on the top of his keyboard. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with Terry. So did I. Learned uh, learned a lot. Yeah, he had a he had a really good time teasing me. <laughs> it was the receiving end of a lot of a lot of teases. When you were playing with with those bands and and those, were were you playing more six nighters or were you playing more weekends or was it sort of more weekends? More weekends. Okay. Yeah. So pulling the auto body job and 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 just playing weekends as opposed to trying to do both of them, which yeah. Oh, I couldn't do it now, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we, a guy, you know, you're young and you can yeah, do it. you can do it, yeah. You'd, you'd wear out after the first week and seem to get a second wind, and at the end of the three weeks, well, you're ready to go another three weeks. Yeah. But uh, that would kill me now, for sure. It sounds like you had some very rich years there. Oh, um, I've been very, very lucky, you know, considering the way I started out. I, Nobody should have hired me to begin with. But you're the only game in town, and, you know, thank God I got off that bottle. And like the day my daughter was born, that, that changed my world for the better, obviously. And uh, never did give up the drums. I put them away for 10 years because I was working two jobs. I was working daytime in the body shop and nighttime in a back alley body shop. Oh, and I did that for... Well, four solid years. The only days I took off was uh, Christmas Day. Yeah, Christmas Day. Like my holidays would be 16 hours in the back alley body shop. But you had to work because body men don't get paid much. There's no union. And I had a family. And my wife worked too. But we're still just making it. Eh? So the... the uh, the drums just stayed in their crates or whatever, boxes, whatever the hell I had, cardboard boxes, I think. I never uh, got cases of any kind till I came back here, and I went to Mackenzie Music, Vince Goche, and I bought 
those uh, cardboardy yeah. cases there, yeah. which I use to this day. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a that's another common story as well. As where it's just sort of like, look, I had to work, family, yeah, bills had to be paid, and that and that was that was what had to be done. And then once things kind of opened up a little bit, and the opportunity came, then I got back into it. Yeah. But it was uh, um, for some of them, they just they just they they stopped. But I don't know, music will be a part of our lives, I guess, you know, right till we're dead. It's not something that goes away. No. You can't turn no, a switch. No. I really appreciate this. This is awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. Well, it's, it's nice to be able to sit and BS with somebody once in a while, especially, you know, we go back a long way and uh, different stages usually, but uh, music is music. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. And, and and the players that you're talking about are other people that I've talked to or I've, you know, had a chance oh, yeah, to play with, you know. Yeah, we've yeah, shared yeah. the same band members over the years. And it's sort of like the torch just sort of getting passed down the line, you know, and, yeah. and, and different people like that. So, no, this is awesome. Thanks so much.